Yeah, so as uh, Josh was saying, my, my name's Andy. Uh, we, we come here sometimes on holiday, me and my family. We're from Hillfields Church, Coventry, and uh, I'm the evangelist there. And uh, it's a real joy and privilege to be with you um, this morning. And, and Hillfields Church, Coventry would really just love to send their greetings um, to you uh, this evening. Um, if you'd just like to turn back in your Bibles to Psalm uh, 23. Psalm 23, that's what we're going to be uh, considering uh, this evening. So uh, when I was um, about 14, my, my dad and I went to see Liverpool play at Anfield. And I remember walking into uh, the stadium and hearing the rumbling sound of all the thousands uh, of people who were singing in unison uh, together. And at the beginning of the game, uh, in those days, just before kickoff, the people on the pitch were people like Sammy Hippio and Steven Gerrard, if you remember those sorts of people. But they were all there, and everyone in the stand they were all singing this one, one song. Maybe some of you here know it. It's the song, You'll Never Walk Alone. It goes like this. When you walk for a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the end of a storm, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark. Walk on through the wind, walk on through the rain. Though your, your dreams uh, be tossed and blown, Walk on, walk on with hope in your heart, and you'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. Uh, but as I look back, I, I asked the question, what, what was everyone actually singing about? Were they singing believing that all the people uh, around them in those stands would actually really be there for one another when their lives became difficult? Would they go and knock on one another's door and, and say, I need some help with this, and they would all support each other? Would that happen? Or, or were they singing in some way to the unknown uh, God of Liverpool Football Club? Would he, or rather, could he save them when they did walk through uh, the dark? Because the fact is, is that there are many lonely people in Liverpool as there are lonely people here in Coventry. People aren't always there to walk with you, are they? People get ill, people die, people move away and they move on. People do walk alone. People are abandoned. And quite frankly, people find it hard to hold their head high when their life is falling apart all around them. People find it hard to sing, walk on, walk on, with hope in your heart, when honestly their dreams are currently being ripped apart. When family members, when friends die, when a disease becomes really serious and fatal. And if we're honest as Christians, as brothers and sisters here, we aren't immune to these disappointments and heartbreaks either, are we? We lose people. Our circumstances change uh, for the worst, and people let us down. As Coldplay uh, say, tears stream down your face when you lose something you cannot replace. 
You know, on that empty chair, when you get up in the morning and you go downstairs, and it's a reminder of that empty chair of the loss and the pain which you just so deeply feel. But in all of our confusion and brokenness as Christians, we have another song. We have Psalm 23. This psalm is not a nice song which makes you feel all fuzzy inside. But rather, Psalm 23 is a song which points to reality. It's a psalm, it's a song that points us to a God who will walk with you through the dark, through the rain. He will stick by you when all your dreams are being tossed and blown about. Because the fact is, when you do walk through the dark, and Jesus promises us that at times we will sometimes, you won't be afraid because Jesus is with you. So this psalm, it walks us through the good times and it walks us through the bad times. And it assures Christians that you will never walk alone. So maybe you come here this evening feeling a bit down and depressed, if you're being honest. Maybe you're feeling alone, discouraged and disappointed. This psalm is for you. Or maybe life is just really great at the moment. You know, there's been many blessings in your life. That's great. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. But this psalm is also for you. So let's get into it. Let's, let's see what we can learn from this psalm. So my first point is the Lord is my shepherd. If you want to open up your Bibles to Psalm 23, if you haven't already, if you look down at verse 1, it says, uh, David asserts something about the Lord. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. Now the name uh, for, for God, which he uses here, uh, Lord, is God's covenant name. Um, in the Hebrew, it's Yahweh or Adonai. And uh, he is the God who made a covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. He is the merciful and compassionate uh, God who is abounding and overflowing with faithful, loyal love, who is slow to anger. You see, this is the God who led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He's the God who led them through the wilderness by that pillar of fire and that pillar of cloud. Just like a, a flock of sheep were led by a shepherd, so did this God lead his people. And, and David is saying that this God, Yahweh, that he's my shepherd. David has a personal and close uh, relationship and walk with this living God of the covenant. And because David knows that uh, the Lord is his shepherd, he knows, verse 1, that he will never, ever be in need. If you remember in the Old Testament, that the Lord God took real good care of Israel when they were going through the wilderness. They didn't lack anything. They had food provided for them. None of their sandals wore out. And in the same way, David knows that the Lord, his shepherd, has got all of his essentials in life completely covered. And of course, as we as believers in the 21st century think of how this psalm applies to us, it, it, we can't help but think of how the Lord Jesus is our shepherd. 
And he is the one who will provide, and in many ways has already provided so much for us, hasn't he? But as we go through this life, as we walk through the good days and the bad days, Jesus is sufficient to provide everything that we need to live a godly life. And to make sure, brother and sister, that you make it to that finishing line, to heaven one day. And I wonder if you believe that this morning. I wonder if you uh, believe that. Well, the next few verses unpack verse 1. They explain how God will provide for David in every way. And at the same time, we're going to think about how God will provide for us as his people, as we think um, how God provides for David. So my second point is, is that David says he does not like anything because the Lord is his shepherd, because he gives rest. If you imagine uh, going back 3,000 years to the land of Israel, and out on the hills outside of uh, uh, the, the town of Bethlehem, uh, a shepherd is leading his sheep confidently. The sheep tra- has traveled, the uh, sheep have traveled a long way, uh, they've gone over really harsh terrain, they've gone through boggy fields, they've been burning in the sun. In the cool of night, they've been walking through in danger of wolves and bears. For miles and miles, they have walked. And their legs are tired, and they really need rest and refreshment. And this shepherd is just out in front, and he's, he's leading them gently over stony crags through the sun-parched field in search of trees. Because he knows that there, he will find lush green grass for his sheep to rest. I've got um, a wife, my wife's called Jenny, and we've got three little children, um, Ellie, Lucy, and Jessica. They're only small, but we we really enjoy getting away to the countryside. We love going to places like North Wales, and we we love going walking up the mountains. And uh, after you've been walking for miles in the sun, uh, your feet begin to ache, um, we've got these kind of carriers where you put one of them on your back and after a few hours, your, your shoulders are really caning and you just want to sit down. You're all sweaty and, you know, it's not very pleasant. And you want to sit down and crack out a nice cold uh, bottle of water and, and a bit of cake. And honestly, the relief that you feel when you sit down in the stillness and in the tranquility of God's creation is just wonderful. And maybe you've experienced similar things. And I wonder if you can just imagine that shepherd who's leading all those sheep as they arrive at that place where the trees are, where there's lush green grass, and they sort of just, you know, collapse slowly onto the ground as they rest in the shade and the majesty of God's creation. I wonder if you can just picture their satisfaction as they just rest and breathe and munch just satisfied and delightfully on the grass that is there. And verse 2, in the same way David knows, just as the shepherd is able to provide pastures of lush green grass for his sheep, David knows that God is able to provide rest for him. He says in verse 2 that he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down to rest in the beautiful creation which the Lord has made. 
Uh, David again says the same thing, but in a different way in verse 3. He says that the Lord, his shepherd, that he leads him by restful waters or by still waters. Now, the Lord doesn't lead him to stagnant waters, but to pools formed from mountain springs. You know, when you you go to the mountains and you you see those lovely streams that come down uh, the side of a of a, of a ridge, and it, and it just drops into this pool, and you take your boots off, and you, you soak your feet in the pool, and it's so refreshing, and you splash your face, and it's just so refreshing and restful. And David is saying that the Lord provides this, that the Lord causes me to rest. And brother and sister, the Lord causes you to lie down, to rest, to rest in his beautiful creation that he has made. He leads you, brother and sister, to experience the rest and refreshment of his good creation. It's hard to imagine sometimes when we live in Coventry, there's not maybe as much countryside as there is in some places um, compared to the north of England, but it's good, isn't it, to get out, to relax, to rest, to see God's good creation. You see, the fact is, is that God knows that you grow tired and weary from your labors, God knows that you need rest. Sometimes, if you're anything like me, you find it hard to stop. Sometimes we do burn the candle at both ends. Sometimes we forget that we are human and that we have limitations. But quite often, God, he brings us to an end in ourselves. He reminds us that we are not self-sufficient. And he makes us. He makes us lie down and rest. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the the, the great preacher uh, from London, in his book on spiritual depression, says that often when people would come to see him and they would explain, just they felt down and and they felt depressed. And often what he would just say to them is, 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 look, you just need to take a break. You need to take a break from work. You just need to to get away with, with your family and switch off. And more often than not, he he said that rest was actually uh, the remedy. Now, I recognize that depression uh, is not always cured by rest. Sometimes you need to go to the doctor. I recognize that. But the thing for us to see here, brothers and sisters, is that God has given rest as a gift. It's a God-given gift. You know, the Oasis have taken uh, a holiday to see a beautiful place like the Lake District or going somewhere like up north in Scotland where you see the beauty of God's creation and it refreshes you. You get a chance to rest those burdened shoulders from the things that you've been carrying, from the business of life, from the stresses of work. And in verse 3, you see the result of this refreshment is that it restores our souls. You see, we, brothers and sisters, are body and soul. And we need to look after our bodies. And as we do that, our souls are refreshed. And I I wonder if there is anyone who's come here uh, this evening who really needs to do that. Who really does need to just stop and chill out. And and just admit that (laughs) they're not Superman. And that they have limitations. 
Well, all of this physical rest, it, it comes from God, but it points to a deeper rest and refreshment which God can give. Ezekiel, uh, the prophet, uh, spoke of a shepherd who would come and provide rich pastures. This is what he says. He says, I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. They will lie down in good grazing land, and they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. You see, the one that Ezekiel was speaking of was the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the one who said that he was the good shepherd. He said, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and they will find pasture. In John chapter 6, in the, in the, in the gospel of John, Jesus commands the disciples uh, to get the people to sit down. They've been listening to him all afternoon, all, all morning as well probably, teaching and John the Apostle takes the, the, uh, the, um, the, the, the initiative to tell us that there was much grass in the place. 5,000 people sat down, and Jesus turned the boys' packed lunch of five loaves and two fishes into a meal for 5,000 men, and probably more than that once you add up the women and children as well. And all this is pointing to the reality that Jesus is the one who can provide eternal life. Jesus is the one who can provide eternal rest. He can give you true rest. I mean, honestly, are you tired? Are you burnt out? Are you weighed down? Or are you feeling lost? Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Jesus can give you spiritual rest for your soul. The Lord Jesus says this in Matthew's gospel. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So David has just been explaining why he does not lack anything because God provides rest and refreshment. And now in the next point, we're going to see how David does not lack anything because the Lord is his shepherd who thirdly, who thirdly leads him in right paths. If you remember in the Old Testament, God continually again and again led his people throughout redemptive history. You remember in the book of Genesis that God led Abraham's servant uh, to find Isaac a wife. He led uh, Israel out of slavery in Egypt, and he led them through the wilderness. And all of these examples, when God leads his people, the leading is, is into, intertwined, it's, it's raveled around God's salvation purposes in human history. And in verse 3, as David looks back to God's faithfulness when he led his people in the past, David believes that the same God will lead him in paths of righteousness as he walks forward in the future. David trusts God that he will lead him in a path that is upright. You see, David's shepherd is like um, the best mountain guide that you can buy in the Lake District. He's not going to get David lost. 
He will not lead uh, David on a crooked path, nor will he lead you on a crooked path. He will not lead you to sin. He will not lead you to ruin. But rather, this great shepherd, he will lead David, and he will lead all of God's people on a pathway which will one day lead to heaven. The reality is, brothers and sisters, is that as we walk through this world, whatever we are going through, whether it is good or bad, Jesus is leading us home. Jesus is helping us to walk on the right way as we spend time with him, as we commune with him, as we read his word. He is guiding us and he is leading us. But the question is, why is he doing that? Well, verse 3 tells us it's for his name's sake. David says that the Lord leads him down right paths, and the primary reason he leads him down right paths is to protect the reputation of his name. Forgive me for all the mountain illustrations in this, but I just couldn't resist because it's Psalm 23, and it it just works really well. So we've got another one here. But you imagine going um, to the Lake District to climb Scarfell Pike. Uh, Imagine Holbrook going as a group uh, all together, and uh, you you hire a mountain guide to get to the top, and and his name is is Joe Smith. Now, Joe Smith uh, will want to keep you on the right footpath. Joe will want to keep you uh, safe. Joe wouldn't want to lose any of you. He wouldn't want any of you to break your leg. Joe wants to make sure that all of you um, get to the top. And, And the fact is, is that if he fails to do any of these things, then his name, you know, all over the Lake District is gonna have a rubbish reputation. And no one is gonna go with Joe Smith anymore. No one's gonna trust him. Because he's, he's gonna, everyone's going to be like, he didn't keep that Holbrook's church safe, did he? We don't want to go with him. And God, just as Joe would care about his reputation, God even more so cares about his reputation. And therefore, he will lead his people in right paths. We can be absolutely sure, therefore, that God will protect us and lead us down right paths to that amazing heavenly home because the glory of God's name is on the line. Moving on through the psalm, so often, though, the way of salvation, the way that Jesus leads you and I into is verse 4, into the valley of the shadow of death. This was David's uh, experience when death and distress were knocking at his door. But David's testimony is that I will not fear because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, The rod uh, was something that was probably used to fight off dangerous animals like lions or bears. And the staff was used to count the sheep and to ensure that they stayed walking on the right path. And David, his assurance is that they comfort me, he says. You see, he knows that God, who is his shepherd, will protect him and keep him from God's enemies. 
But the greatest assurance for David is so lovely. It's him knowing that the shepherd himself is with him. He's not out front at a distance, but he's right there beside him. He says, you are with me. And brothers and sisters, we as Christians, we can experience the deep darkness of this valley. Psalm 88, when darkness is your closest friend. And I recognize that when you go and preach at a a different church where maybe you don't know um, so many people, I'm conscious that there might be some people sitting here who are in this valley of darkness right now. You've got close friends and family who are seriously ill. Very recently, you've lost someone who is just so dear to you. Anxiety maybe grips you every single day when you get up in the morning. You've got fear of the future. What, what if that happens? What if I don't get the job? What if that happens? Fear about death, maybe. But the thing is, is that when we face this deep darkness, when we face the things that truly are frightening, you can know that if you are a Christian here this evening, that you are not alone. You do not walk alone. You walk through this darkness with Jesus. And he will never, ever leave you. You see, his rod will protect you. Protect you from the devil and his schemes. His plans to destroy you. Jesus will protect you from that. And his staff will keep you walking on the right path. Jesus says this in John's gospel. He says, I give them eternal life and they shall never, ever perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, if the Son of God is saying that, that is the reality. That is true. There is nobody in the universe or outside of the universe, rather, who is stronger than Jesus. Jesus is the one, Isaiah 40, what Josh read from this evening, who tends his flock like a shepherd, who gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. This is the Lord Jesus. This is who he is. I mean, do you believe in this Jesus? Whatever you are facing now or in the future, no one, nothing in all of creation can snatch you from his eternal grip. He will bring you through to glory. You see, this shepherd, the Lord Jesus, he 2,000 years ago entered the blackest darkness for you, brother, sister. He bled and he died on the cross in order to ensure that you would be saved from that eternal wrath and judgment. And just think about this. If Jesus has achieved that through the cross, if he's saved you from judgment, then he is well and truly able to bring you through the trial that you are in right now. 
It is very small in comparison to what Jesus has accomplished 2,000 years ago. And we can just praise God for that wonderful fact. We can rest in Jesus. So we've considered how David does not lack anything because God provides rest. And also because he leads his people um, down right paths, we can trust him and we can look to him as we walk through the darkness and the trials in our lives. But fourthly and finally, uh, David knows and we can know that we will not lack anything because the Lord will provide a home for us. If you just look at verse 5, David says, you prepare a table before me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Now, uh, the next uh, kind of theme in these two verses, five and six, uh, it could be uh, talking about a shepherd again, continuing the theme throughout Psalm 23. Or it could be like a kind of dinner host, a household host, who's providing a lovely meal. Either way that you, you look at it, that the Lord is the one who is providing for David a home where he can live, rest, and be fed. If you look at verse 5, it's got a picture there of David standing in a kitchen where lovely rich food and drink is being prepared to be served on a lovely oak table. The cooking smells are wonderful that are coming off uh, the stove and, and there's guests that are there and they're putting a huge smile on David's face. When he says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows, he, he, he's talking about the abundance of food being enjoyed and the, the experience of, of the joyful welcome that he will have when he's in that house. And in some ways, we look back at this in the 21st century, back to when David wrote it. In David's time, it might have been fulfilled in some part. Maybe David enjoyed this in some way. But ultimately, it points forward to this eschatological blessing, which David anticipates that God will provide in the future. A wonderful feast. Maybe the wedding feast that is spoken about in Revelation when all brothers and sisters, those who have been redeemed by the Lamb, will sit down with Jesus and praise him and rejoice in the salvation that they have. But if you look at verse 5, while David is seeing himself inside this house at this table, his enemies are outside uh, peering through the lattice windows, seeing the blessings which David will be enjoying. And the reality is, is that they will be shut out from that enjoyment. And I wonder if there's anyone here this evening who is not a Christian. You don't know the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And it's just a very simple question. Do you want to be shut outside of that wonderful banquet? Do you want to be shut outside of all those happy people who will be with Jesus? Because when that day comes, you will not be able to come inside. It will be too late. Today is the day of salvation. Receive the Lord Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Well, in verse 6, David continues, and he speaks of the mercy of God. 
And this is God's heset covenant love, his goodness and his faithfulness. And it will not just follow him, but in the original language, it's literally like pursuing him. In other words, through his life, uh, through the bad times and through the good times, it's as if these kind of like sheepdogs are just chasing after David and they will not give up. They will keep on chasing him down, but they're not going to eat him. It's a picture of mercy and of grace, of God's covenant love pursuing him. And the, where, the place that they are chasing him to is that they are chasing him home <laughs> to heaven. And the reality is, therefore, that as David walks through this life, as he's pursued by these, this mercy and this grace, is that he's never, ever alone. They accompany him on the journey. And that is true for you and me, brother and sisters, as well. In verse 6, David is confident that he will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, uh, under the Old Covenant, that's the Old Testament, the house of the Lord is the place where God revealed himself to Jacob, the patriarch. It was also the place uh, where um, the, the Israelites worshipped at the temple. And what David is saying is, is that he knows that his life is safe with God. He knows that the Lord will keep him by his mercy and will one day bring him to that future home in heaven. And as we uh, believers, as we uh, gather together here this evening, we enjoy that good food that we also anticipate in the future. When we hear God's word, we, we feast and we taste something of the Lord Jesus. Whilst our enemies, they, 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 they peer in and they think, what are those Christians all about? We enjoy the new covenant blessings of forgiveness of our sins, of the adoption into God's family. As we cry out to our Father who is in heaven, Abba, by the Holy Spirit. And the thing for us to realize is, is that when we do that, we are having an appetizer. We are having a taster of heaven, of that great feast. And just as I was saying before, David knew that as he walked through this life, that he would be pursued by God's grace and mercy. We too, as we journey through this life, in Christ we are secure. Because of the new covenant in Christ's blood, you will, not walk, you will not walk alone through this life. Jesus will lead you home. You will have unending communion with him. His grace and mercy will stay with you. And the Lord is the one who will ensure that this happens. And just listen as I close to this verse from Revelation. And it just talks about where we are all heading to the great rest, to the great feast that will be there one day. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Amen. So we're going to continue in our worship uh, and we're going to sing uh, what we've just been hearing about, Psalm uh, 23. Uh, so please do stand uh, when the music starts and we'll worship our God.
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Amen.